20-man squad of heavily armed police officers have been sent into the slums of Jakarta to raid an apartment building run by a drug lord and his army of loyal soldiers. It's a bloodbath waiting to happen as the cops break through the building, only to be met with heavy resistance. It's all up to a rookie cop and the few survivors, but there's more to this operation than meets the eye in the epic 2011 action thriller, The Raid Redemption. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Caleb Leger. And this is Filmgasm. Welcome to episode 132 of the Filmgasm podcast. Today's subject is an epic Indonesian action thriller that we both first saw back when we first started Filmgasm.com. It was seared into our brains as one of the most badass action flicks we'd seen thus far. And I know you've been looking forward to talking about it since you've joined the podcast. So tell us, why'd you pick The Raid? I picked this because I, you know, besides horror... Um, I have a big love for action. Um, I grew up with a dad that was big into the 80s action scene, so I grew up seeing Stallone and Schwarzenegger as much as I was watching Freddy and Jason. Um, and to me, uh, more... Uh, well, okay, until John Wick came out, American action was lacking. Hardcore in the cinema. And I remember uh, when I first saw this movie, it was some dude I was... Back when I worked at Subway, this guy recommended the second one. Like, loan me a copy of the second one. I hadn't seen the first one. He's like, oh, you don't need to see the first one. Me, me, me. I was like, well, I want to watch the first one. So I ran it from Netflix. <laughs> and I saw it, and I fell in love. This, to me, was what I want action to be. Simplistic plot and just over-the-top, crazy, in-your-face action the whole ride. I have, since I saw it back in... God, I would say what, 2014, 2015. I have loved this mirror since. It is in the top of my favorite action films of all time. And I, I've been looking forward. As soon as I was like, what do I want to do next? I was like, oh, the raid. I'm going to talk about the raid. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I remember when you uh, told me about this, you were like, you need to see this. And I think I rented it from Netflix too and watched it and just thought like, holy shit. Because I'm a big fan of... Uh, Asian action films. Uh, this reminded me a lot of Ong Bak, the Thai warrior. Uh, just, you know, commitment to choreography and people doing their own stunts and, you know, just showing off like the, the slums of these major cities. And uh, this film, yeah, introduced me to Indonesian cinema and is just such a bitch and ride. It's so simple, so effective. The characters all pop. The script is brilliant. It's just, it, it really makes you care about who these people and, you know, you get nervous when they're faced with an army of armed drug soldiers. It's crazy. Yeah. Th this movie is so perfectly tightly paced. It is amazing. Like watching it again for this episode, I was like, fuck, I forgot how real, like real paced this is. It, it, this is a damn near perfect film in my opinion. And yeah, it's, it's martial arts, but again, very modern. It is in-your-face brutal martial arts. They don't hold back on what it does. And another thing with like showing off the choreography is that they don't cut a lot during the action scenes. You are watching these. Oh yeah, these are, and that's because the guys who did the choreography, the guy, like the fight coordinators, are the actors. Like it's the same guys, so they know what they're doing. Yeah, and they're masters at what the foreign martial arts are showing in the movie. That was a big thing too. Is that these guys. 
Um, two of the actors are very good at it. Oh yeah. And the two guys who are, you know, those are the two guys who pretty much like emerged from this to have at least a minor career in Hollywood. That's just growing. I think. Mm. Oh yeah. I hope to keep seeing them and stuff. Oh yeah, for sure. The raid was written and directed by Welsh filmmaker, Gareth Evans. He also directed the segment safe Haven in VHS two, the 2018 period horror flick apostle. And he's in the running for a possible Deathstroke movie in the near future. Uh, I haven't seen Apostle, but I've had a lot of people, uh, mainly Julie, tell me about it. And Safe Haven is, <laughs> Jesus Christ, maybe the craziest uh, segment of VHS 2. I, I want to do the VHS films so bad on this show. Oh, say no more. I fucking love VHS 1 and 2. <laughs> I don't like Viral, but I like the first two. <laughs> Yeah, the first two are solid anthology films. and just Yeah, and if you them. haven't heard, my friend, if you haven't heard, there's a new one coming out. Hell yeah. <laughs> so we are getting a new one. Uh, no, yeah, his segment is one of my, probably my favorite in VHS 2. And I think almost all the segments of VHS 2 are fucking great. Um, I love his segment. It just fucking ramps up. I mean, it's literally like this, man. It just ramps up and doesn't like go until the end. No. Um, I've seen Apostle actually. I have seen that one. It's really good. It's much different from, um, you know, the raid. And you have to kind of, you kind of have to realize when you're watching it, you're not watching raid one or two. You're not, it's a moody horror film, but it works. It's really good. He does a really good job. Um, and again, like, he's just really good at like getting you drawn into his movies and the story is telling. And once he gets you thrown in, it's like he grabs you and he doesn't let go. And he fucking has you until those credits roll. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I think, you know, he'd be, I think he'd do great if he was given a Deathstroke film. I mean, if, you know, Joe Manganiello ends up being Deathstroke and they know there's a petition for fans, like fans are trying to get him an HBO Max series or a movie because they've just been teasing us with Deathstroke for like 10 years now. And I want, I, I want one. I want a Deathstroke. And, uh, I think Gareth Evans would be great. <laughs> he, he would be awesome because to show off Deathstroke's fighting powers, he would be able to pull it off. Hopefully, same with Joe. Man, I can't say his last name. What? Manginello. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he has the acting power to pull it off, but I know direct. if you were to say directing-wise, Gareth Evans would be able to pull off like showing the action that Deathstroke can do. Well, I'm surprised that, you know, since the raid, Gareth Evans hasn't done, you know, he hasn't been picked up by one of these superhero, you know, Warner Brothers or Disney to do something big. Because he's he seems like the like the perfect guy for a solid action thriller for a superhero movie. And Deathstroke's a good one. I could see this guy doing a kick-ass Batman movie. I mean, he just, he's got a talent for action, and I would love to see him do more. Oh, no. I remember after the second raid came out, he was teasing a third one for a while there. He was like, yeah, we're going to do a raid three. I was excited. I was like, oh, my God. And then he more recently kind of pretty much implied it's not going to happen, that we told our story, which I'm disappointed because I really want a raid three. But, yeah, I don't I don't know with him. I don't know if he just, like, likes to do his own thing or and he's kind of going that route or he's not getting enough. I, like, I don't I don't know. I don't know why he – isn't getting these things like I thought he would. Who knows? You know, these guys, 
what they really think, you know. So we we only get, you know, what magazines and websites tell us. We don't know what these guys really think. So maybe it's there's some personal thing that's kind of kept him back, or maybe he's just, you know, waiting for something really, really special. Yeah, and you know, whatever he does next, like after seeing what I've seen of his work, I'm I'm there. Like I'm going to see it. I've liked his stuff so far and I won't stop seeing it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just like to say that uh, the actors in this film are Indonesian and I am going to try to pronounce their names as best I can. So don't judge me. I'm I trying. Want you know, I want <laughs> you to know, I've been looking forward to this moment right here of all, because I knew when I picked this movie, I was like, he has to say the names. <laughs> you fuck. All right. <laughs> <laughs> The Raid stars Iko Uwais as Rama, the rookie cop with a good heart who fucks up a lot of criminals in this movie. Uwais gained international acclaim for his performance in both Raid films, as well as his martial arts skills. He's since appeared in such films as Man of Tai Chi, Mile 22, Stuber, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. And him and uh, the other guy we're going to bring up later, their brief appearance in Star Wars was so equally disappointing and exciting because i was like oh my god it's the guys from the raid and holy shit they're gone after getting eaten by a big squid thing after seeing them for 30 seconds like, yeah. why bring them here if you're not going to use them yeah that i was look i'm i'm a defender of the force awakens um but yeah that made me mad i was like cause i remember reading that on i think ig and they were like hey they got the raid guys i was like oh my god and i was like you all you have to do is give me one quick little scene of them doing their thing and we don't get that at all yeah, one of them didn't even talk you bring their martial arts talents to like a jedi with like a lightsaber you would have some of the most badass fight scenes in star wars history and it's not too late we've still got the mandalorian which is kind of, you know, no holds barred, whatever the hell they want to do. So bring on these guys. Yeah, please. Like, I would love to see them bring their martial arts to anything, and I will be there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joe Taslam plays Jaka, the sergeant in charge. Taslam has also appeared in such films as Fast and Furious 6, Star Trek Beyond. And get this, he's set to play Sub-Zero in the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie. That's him? That's Sub-Zero. I'm even more excited for Mortal Kombat now. I know. I was so pumped when I read that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Isn't it crazy how things always seem to work out on this podcast in regards to the timing? We don't plan any of this shit. It just happens. I legitimately did not know that. And every time I read something about Mortal Kombat, I, they always bring up the cast list. So I see it every time. I've seen this movie hundreds of times now never fucking clicked wow <laughs> oh yeah we're we are very very much looking forward to mortal Kombat. the more we hear about it the more we get excited and we are definitely planning a big old sneak preview on that so tune in when that happens oh hell yeah i'm going oh i'm gonna be in that theater so goddamn quick <laughs> uh donnie alamzia plays andy rama's criminal brother he would reprise the role in the raid 2 and beyond that hasn't really done much out of indonesia uh, I think he's really good in this. Uh, I love the character. I think, you know, the idea that there's a, a guy so high up in the criminal underground who has a brother who's a rookie cop, like it raises the stakes substantially to the, in this film. 
Yeah, well, and I like the way they do it. Like it, the way this film kind of pulled that off was really small because it doesn't hinge on it. It doesn't make it this big thing. It's like little moments where they're like, "Hey, this is who these people are," and you have that scene at the beginning. Where he's like, "Hey, you bring him home," and you're like, "Who's he talking about?" And and he pulls him in, and then he's like, "Oh yeah," and they have that whole talk, and you're like, "Oh shit." brothers well on the other side of that like andy's loyalties never waver either he immediately is like i'm gonna kill anybody i need to to make sure my brother gets out of here alive like yeah it's beautiful it's like look he may be one may be a cop one may be a criminal but at the end of their brothers and look i I do want you to get out of here (laughs) yeah it's it's great like my favorite thing about this film is how smart the characters are written like nobody feels like fodder for the you know for the gunfights everyone here feels like a fully fleshed out character who you hate to see die yeah mm-hmm. even the bad guys oh yeah oh god the introduction to we'll, we'll mention him see the other you know right in right hand in command or whatever yeah oh he's right here uh yayan ruhian plays mad dog tama's psycho enforcer Rohan's martial arts talents have opened doors for him in Hollywood. He also appeared in Star Wars The Force Awakens alongside Iko Uweis, and he had a significant fight scene in John Wick 3, which kicked ass. And I, I love that in that movie, he got to show off. Yeah, see, I, I remember hearing, hey, we got the, one of the raid guys for John Wick 3, and I was like, okay, I may have been disappointed by Star Wars, <laughs> but there's no way they're going to waste this in John Wick 3, and by God, they did not. He is so fucking good against Connie Reeves in that movie. <laughs> I mean, he is, you know, slowing down a little for 50-year-old Keanu Reeves. But, you know, I don't care. At that point, I just argue, like, he just wants to draw this fight out because he's fighting John Wick, his hero. Yeah, which, and again, if you're talking about smart, crypt, smart scripting, that movie does it too. Because you see throughout the movie, he is actually in awe of John Wick. So when he gets to that fight, he's like, all right, let's do this. I'm finally having my moment. I love there's little moments where like John Wick's like having trouble getting up and he's like, give me a minute. minute," And they're like, cool. And they just wait for him to get up. (laughs) Awesome. I never would have thought seeing a movie where John Wick fights the Iron Chef America guy would be exciting, but it was great. (laughs) God. But, but then again, the, like I think it works too in John Wick because to me, another reason I really like this movie is that you could tell this was an influence down the line. It didn't obviously happen immediately in America, but you could tell very much with John Wick that this movie was an influence with how they filmed their action scenes. So to have the guy from the raid, at least one of them, one of the significant ones, be in your third movie that was clearly influenced by this is fucking awesome. Yeah, that's that's uh, you know, what's the term? Uh, I'm blanking, but it's definitely paying, an honor. Paying respect, homage. Yeah, I'm yeah, paying respects. There's a word I was thinking of, but I'll take it. Paying respect. <laughs> <laughs> um, another film that this um, I think a lot of people have said is a straight up ripoff of the raid is 2012's dread mm-hmm. look first off people can shut the fuck up about that because you assholes even go out and see the movie and not never give me a sequel so fuck all of you right now <laughs> you know how badly i wanted to try to pretty fucking badly yeah look was, yeah 
Hollywood makes movies like every other country makes movies. It just so happens that sometimes plot lines line up. And no, Tread did not rip it off because Tread's based off a fucking comic anyway. You gotta admit, it's pretty pretty damn similar. It's pretty similar, but if you think about the release dates, they probably did not know about this Indonesian movie. They were just trying to get Tread off the ground. Fair enough. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn on that. I think that... I don't think it's all in the up and up. Um... Did you hear that they are um, considering a, a Mega City One TV series? I've heard it, and you know what? I still want Tread Two with Carl Urban. God damn it! <laughs> Look, I have a lot of harbored anger that no one saw Tread in theaters because I saw it in theaters and I liked it. I also a saw lot. it. It was great. Yeah, I mean, I guess it works out because Carl Urban's on The Boys, which is he's fucking killing it on that show. But still, I want Tread Two. <laughs> give a little shout out to carl urban for just being a badass everything he does he's a chameleon who i don't who i think is incredibly underrated and just delivers every time the dude is such a great actor oh my god yes i it's funny uh you know um, some of the guys that were watching it when we were on deployment uh were watching the boys they were like that guy looks familiar and i would name movies he was and i was like have you guys seen red chronicles of reddick uh that tread movie and they're like yeah it's the same guy. Like, no, I'm like, yeah, it is. It's just in the boys. He has a he has a thick ass beard and he uses his actual accent. <laughs> that's cool. To me, he'll always be Aomer in the Lord of the Rings. That's the first thing I ever saw him in. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I think my first one was actually Chronicles of Riddick. I had, like pitch black so much, and I was like, oh, there's a second one. Right Which, on. yeah, how that one went wasn't so much fun. Aomer is my first interaction with him. My favorite is Bones in the new Star Trek. I think he is the best cast in that film. And just, I love he's constantly on edge, just angry at nothing in particular. <laughs> yeah, I, he is awesome as Bones. I, I think my favorite is honestly right now, The Boys. Yeah. Like, I, I know I, you, you haven't seen it yet, right? Not yet. If you ever, I, if you have the time, definitely check it out because I think you'll see what I'm talking about. But he crushes it. And he gets to let loose. Like, he gets to cuss and everything. And he doesn't have to do an American accent. It's his, I think he's Australian or New Zealand? New Zealand. New Zealand? Yeah. He gets to use his New Zealand accent, and it's it's fucking great. <laughs> That's awesome. Very happy about that. Yeah. He's the reason I want to check out The Boys. Yeah, it, dude, that show is so good. That show is so fucking good. I love that show. <laughs> Uh, Pierre Gruno plays the corrupt Lieutenant Wayu. He's done a lot of Indonesian stuff, but nothing else as big as the raid. And his character is very interesting because he's kind of not sure where his loyalties lie until the very end. Mm-hmm. And goddamn. <laughs> yeah. But they also do a really good job. Of not, you don't really like him. Like the way they write him, you don't like him, which I like how they did that. Cause I love that when, you know, they're, you know, the big fights about to happen and the guy's like, call for backup. And he's like, we can't call for backup. Why not? <laughs> this is uh he goes, who knows that we're here? <laughs> oh, it's great. When when I think Jaka is yelling at him, like, you know, what, what have you gotten us into? And the guy's like, You better remember your rank. He's like, rank is dead. <laughs> you you're gonna be what is it? You're gonna be mopping piss in a, in a prison cell by the end of this thing. 
like I love that that bit of confrontation there. So good. Oh yeah, because it's like it's this prick basically trying to stay in control. It's like no, you lost control when this went you know shit sideways, dude. Like yeah, you're yeah. not in charge anymore. You have 18, 17 dead men in this group, and an entire apartment building hunting the survivors down. And the whole reason he was here in the first place was because his superiors told him to assassinate a truck lord and he's actually i love that he's actually the the target here the whole time like they actually sent him there to die and there weren't supposed to be 20 more cops there to back him up that was not supposed to happen yeah it was just supposed to be him and again smart scripting because a lot of what they say in that whole end scene is what plays exactly in the right two yeah uh ray ray sahetbi plays tama the sadistic crime boss who runs the building i'm trying (laughs) sahetbi is one of the most popular actors in indonesian film but the raid is the film he's known for outside of indonesia he's won like a couple of awards that are the equivalent of like the indonesian oscars he's won a few of those including one for the raid i think and uh he's a a great scumbag (laughs) there's just he, he feels like such a greasy, like unclean human being in more ways than one who's just here to like, he has, you know, he's the puppet master and ugh, such a great bad guy. He doesn't give a fuck the whole time. He's just like, he knows he's in control or at least he thinks he's in control the entire time. Yeah. I, I, he's one of my, actually one of my, my more favorite bad guys in cinema. And one of the things I love, I love his intro, like his intro and he's just shooting the guys down and then he runs out of bullets. Hey, hold this. And he puts it on the guy's shoulder, opens the drawer, has bullets, chooses no bullets, and grabs the hammer. <laughs> yeah, that was a brilliant introduction. I love it. You don't know why these guys are on their knees. You don't know why this is happening. You just know he's taking care of business. And it's so emotionless. It's just one, two, three, four out of bullets. Yeah, he's eating cereal before it. (laughs) He's sitting there just eating a bowl of cereal. Finishes and goes, all right, now that I'm done with that, time to take care of this so I can go about my day. God damn. (laughs) Oh, it reminded me on this time, on this watch around, it reminded me of New Jack City. Have you seen that? I have not seen New Jack City, unfortunately. New Jack City, um, Wesley Snipes plays a drug lord, uh, a crack baron named Nino Brown, who runs an apartment building very much like this, who he lets people live there in exchange for buying his crack and being his army. And he runs a, a an apartment building in L.A. And Ice-T is the cop who wants to take him down. It's a bitchin' movie. It's really good. It sounds like it'd be corny, but it's super awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wesley Snipes says one of my favorite insults in movie history might be a threat insult he um he yells at this guy sit your five dollar ass down before i make change <laughs> and is it oh god yeah nino brown real badass in movies real piece of shit and i think that this movie the raid influenced at least a bit from new jack city which came out in 91 it could have it honestly could have um you know what i like about the like Thinking about like New Jack City, and then obviously we mentioned Tread and other raid. The idea to live in an apartment complex that's run by a drug lord is kind of terrifying. Like, no, you don't have to pay rent here. You just have to buy our crack, and if you fuck up, we don't evict you. We kill you. <laughs> I hope I'm never that desperate. 
But, you know, this is America. I could end up that desperate next week. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> it's trying times right now. It is trying times. But yeah, that, you know, it's interesting that to have a, an army of people who are essentially just there because they have nowhere else to go. And they need, they need this. Like his whole, you know, Thomas' whole thing is kill these cops and I'll let you live here rent free. <laughs> That's his whole thing is you don't have to pay me if you help me kill these cops. And dear God, no one question it for a second. Nobody, except that dude in 746 who's like, I'm a better person than the rest of these guys. I'll help you. <laughs> oh, and I love how that comes back later. You know, Rama helping this guy get his medicine to his sick wife ends up saving their lives later. I, mm. Yeah, God, that was a great fucking, oh, that scene when he's on the wall, the machete. Oh, yeah, I have a whole bit. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to that when we... <laughs> God damn, that might be my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> uh, one more guy. Tegar Satira plays Bawo, the injured officer who survives the assault. He would reprise his role in the raid, too. And uh, I love this guy makes it out. I love that he just spends the whole movie in that room, and then Rama goes and gets him after it's done. He really had it easy. Like, if you take away the part where he got shot, he had it easy. He just had to lay there and wait for it to blow over. Yes, he- indeed. So I had to go get a pint and wait for it all to blow over. How's that yes, for a slice of fried gold? And yes, I'm saying that because I'm currently wearing a Sean Dead t-shirt right now. Never a wrong time to break out Sean of the Dead. <laughs> the raid has an IMDb score of 7.6, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 86%. Grossed around $9 million globally on a million-dollar budget. Not bad. Uh, it spawned a sequel and a possible American remake that has been tossed around for years. Uh I don't like when they just Americanize foreign successes. So why can't we just enjoy films of all cultures? I don't know. Right. That, and I just like, the reason this movie works is because we love foreign martial arts movies. And this is a foreign martial arts movie. America isn't exactly known for its martial arts. So I, therefore, I really don't care. Yeah. What, who's the most famous American martial artist? I think it's fucking Steven Seagal. So yeah, not exactly, you know, the master. No, I've seen his videos. Oh, my God. What an embarrassment. <laughs> uh, so let's talk the raid. And it is known as the raid internationally. But in America, it's the raid redemption because Sony could not get, uh, they couldn't pay, uh, purchase the rights to just the raid. I, there's a whole thing there. Yeah, yeah, I I only refer to it as a raid. I don't ever call it redemption because I don't. The, the subtitle makes a zero sense. It really does. Who's who's getting redeemed here? <laughs> I think they honed in on the whole brother storyline, but I'm like, if you watch the sequel, it goes nowhere. Like, it's not worth subtitling your the first movie, movie. The first movie, it goes nowhere. At the end of this, Andy's like, "Yeah, I'm helping you out, but now I run this shit. <laughs> it's this is my world now." It, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, so the first person to die in this film, uh, by the cops anyway, is a, a child. Uh, and I thought that was dark as hell. Just a kid just gets his, you know, shot in the chest. Really sets the tone for the impending bloodbath. The, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, that, they do a really good job of setting up the bloodbath. Like, from, you know, when the kid walks out and sees them and they're just like, Let's not do anything stupid here. 
And that oh. kid just bolts, police, you know, in slow mo, because that's how we have to do it. Well, even from the get go, you know, all the cops in the in the van talking about like where they're going, the high probability of death, and just like what they're about to face, and everyone there is fairly new to the job. Uh, and then they meet the lieutenant outside, and he's got no backup. It's just him, and nobody questions it. Yeah, no one. It amazes me because they all go in this the assumption of like, okay, we're the main team. If anything goes wrong, you know, we got backup. But we're we're the A team. We got this. And it's like, no, no, you don't. Nope. Mm-mm. Oh, you do not. And the lieutenant's like, what are you doing here? And he's like, we're the team. And they're like, no, you're not. You're not the team. <laughs> Why are you here? But it's too late. And they go. I, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and I love how quiet it is at the beginning. You know, them going in. You get the sense that, like, they're too prepared. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no guards. Nobody's, like, nobody goes after them for quite some time until they have them surrounded. Yeah, well, the whole movie is, it gets, like, really bombastic really quick, but the whole, like, first, I would say 15, 20 minutes is nice and quiet. Like, you have the nice little scene where you see our main character doing his workout, you know, the talk with his father about, hey, bring him home. You know, there's a nice little nice thing set up, nice little character building moments that what I do really appreciate with foreign cinema more so than American is that they don't need to explain shit to you. It's just, like, these little moments that work. I don't need 20 minutes of like, yeah, so your brother's in here and, you know, we really need to get him back. And it's like, you know, how America would do it, a big, long backstory is like, no, just, hey, bring him back. What are you talking about? I'm, I'm curious now. Like, now I'm hooked. Like, what's going to happen in this movie? Like, what are you talking about? You know, enough set up. And then, yeah, the whole scene in the van where they're going over the whole thing. Like, we're going to get this guy. We're going to go floor to floor. He's one of the biggest drug lords in this area to, you know, when they get there and yeah, the first silent takedown of the various floors, I think up to six. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting how, you know, American audiences are spoon fed every little detail or else one would, you know, one person could be lost. It's, it sucks. You know, we're, I've at least in the past 20 years, it didn't used to be like that, but recent films have always have all been very spoon fed and that sucks. Yeah. Like so, like in this movie with the brother, one line, bring him back. You know, in a movie made in America, it'd be like this big long like explanation of what the happened to the brother, why they need to bring him back. It'd be like, oh my god, I don't need all this. There would be a dramatic turn to the camera where somebody goes, He's he's my brother. And there'd be like a burn, and then they that would happen. <laughs> I'll admit though, it is Rama's story is a little cliched. You know, he's got He's the cop with a pregnant wife at home who's about to give birth, like, and he's about to go on this mission that could be life or death. You know, it's a little bit on the nose. It is, but like again, I can forgive it because the movie does such a great job of just keeping it simple. Like, we're not trying to overcomplicate this. We are just trying to get you to the complex and the action scenes. Like that's what we're trying to get you to. Yeah, I agree. Um. So I love when the kid runs past and gets the intercom and goes, police, and they don't get him in time. And he just like looks at it like, oh, shit, and flicks it off. And now the whole building knows what's up. Yeah. And Tama just goes on and is like, all right. So there's some intruders here. I didn't ask him here, and I know you didn't. So here's the deal. <laughs> Help me kill them. 
and you can live here rent free. I love that he knows his people that well. He's like, I know who lives here. I know what they're capable of and willing to do. And everyone goes ham. It's crazy. Everyone that, just attacks these cops. That whole, like, when they're doing essentially the montage and you got the dude, the snipers walking out. I got the guy on the right. I got the one on the left. And they fucking get the guy in. Hey, no, let him scream. Oh, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah, and then the guy looks out the window and the fucking dude at the chair pulls out the machete. Well, the two guys in the car, you're thinking, well, they're in the car. They're safe. Nope. Who's hunting who here? Oh, they got the machete in the table. Everyone with machetes. That is like such a great, like bad guy weapon. Cause there's no justification for having a machete. It's just, you're going to butcher somebody. That's the reason you have a machete. This is not the rainforest. You have this to kill. Unless you own lots of land and you live out in the country. I, I, you can have a machete, but if you don't live in that specific setting and you live in an apartment complex like that, yeah, I'm going to wonder why you have a machete. I'm going to ask some questions. Unless you go to your monthly Jason Voorhees impersonators club, there's no reason you should have a machete just on hand. <laughs> I just really like the size and, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to swing around. <laughs> My God. Um, so there's a moment that just had me dying laughing because it was so like just sudden this guy jumps through the floor only to immediately be pushed out the window <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was hilarious just ah, <laughs> he was so ready <laughs> and then we've got that epic propane tank fridge grenade oh yeah so i want to comment on this you know i've seen this thing a hundred times and it's lauded rightly so for its martial arts scenes but that one like the whole scene when they do have their guns and they're shoot out is fucking amazing yeah like when they're in the dark hallway and the camera pans up and you see the guys standing above them waiting to see when they can see them (laughs) and as soon as the shotgun blast you used to see all of them they're just fucking start shooting on them i got like i've seen that again i've seen this a lot i got goosebumps i've got how great that fucking scene was I was blown away by how inc- how really ex- exciting and original the cinematography was. I was not expecting that. It's it does like this feels like nothing else. It's a very unique film. I I love that. Yeah. It, did you speaking of things you found funny? Did you not kind of laugh during the a hallway shootout when they shot that one dude and he like f- flew back, but then got back up and started shooting at them again? <laughs> I remember that, yeah. <laughs> he took like five bullets and just right back at it. <laughs> adrenaline does crazy shit, man, I guess. I don't know. Or adrenaline drugs, apparently. Yeah, adrenaline and, I don't know, whatever they're doing. Indonesian whatever, crack, I don't know. Yeah. But then, like, everyone ducks at one point to dodge some bullets. He doesn't, and then finally gets mowed down. <laughs> that was nuts. But the fact that Rama just straight up grabs a propane tank from under the sink, knocks it open, hurls it into the fridge, and tells the other guy, like, I'm going to pull this pin, and you're going to turn it. (laughs) And the guy's like, okay. Like, if somebody told me that, no matter what the situation, I would be like, what the fuck did you just tell me? (laughs) Again, the cinematography in that scene, like, when you see 
when he's like doing yeah the axe to the floor right they're trying yeah. to get down and you just see like him axe on the floor with like the door getting shot up in the background and you're like dude hurry the fuck up and get through the floor jesus christ <laughs> and you have the fucking how when they're moving the fridge and it's like rama on one side this random fucking dude on the other and the dude gets shot and rama just pulls out his gun and so it's like fucking pushing the refrigerator more <laughs> And it fucks them up. I mean, that, you know, that explosion rips them all open. Like, even the cops, like, everyone kind of suffers from that one. Yeah. He, he, that was pretty much like one of those, like, we have to do this. We want to fucking break. Goddamn. <laughs> Next part I want to bring up is the hallway fight right before they get to the to room 726. Uh, I love a good hallway fight. I, you know, ever since old boy, I have enjoyed a nice hallway fight. And, this is this ranks among the best. I mean, good God! <laughs> it, dude, it's this is to me like when you first because you get like hints here and there before that of like some martial arts stuff when they're taking some of the tenants down, right? Um, but then you get the really cool like shootout, and then you get to this part. And to me, this is this is when you first really see the martial arts take the center stage. And holy fuck, is it! amazing it's crazy it's all you know elbows and knees and just like hitting the legs and like it's well, crazy I'm, rama fucks these guys up and it's so good well what i when i was looking this because i remember when i saw this man i looked up this form of you know the martial arts i'm not gonna try to say the name of it i know the name but i can't i don't know how to pronounce it so i don't want to butcher it um but from what i understand with this and you see it in this movie because if you notice, even when they go down, they're still fighting. They're still using like their legs and stuff when they're on the fucking ground. Because apparently, you know, we have like Muay Thai, right? Like an Ongbok, it's all leg. Yeah. You know, different martial arts focus on different parts of the body. From my understanding, with this form of martial arts, your entire body is a weapon. So if one part's down, you still have other parts to use. Like it's not like you're down and oh shit, they got my legs. I got nothing. No, you have your fucking head, arms, like whatever you can think of to use. That's insane. And makes total sense because that's what Rama does. I mean, I don't know if it's here in the later hallway fight scene when he grabs that dude and just like impales his face on the wood where the door used to be. Oh, yeah, that's that's the machete one when he leaves. Yeah. Yeah. God damn. Oh, dude, in, that, in this particular fight hallway fight when he takes a dude's head and keeps smashing it against the fucking wall but he goes lower with it and it's quick it's (laughs) jesus yeah it's i was i audibly was like fuck (laughs) this is awesome it's i love when a movie can actually make me like talk to it (laughs) dude i remember the first time i saw that and as soon as i went i'm fucking in that was amazing please give me more and goddamn, this movie gave me more <laughs> yeah it's a it's a blast so they get into 726 Bo is wounded the guy's like i'll i'll take you know i owe you and the wife's like get out there it's not worth it and she's got a point i mean they're gonna fuck him up if they find them there <laughs> and that crazy dude with the machete and the purple shirt who's like mad dogging everybody like that guy scared me <laughs> <laughs> he scared me because he mad dogged him in that scene. And then whatever the fuck he was doing, when we get to, we'll get to it in a minute. But whatever he was doing to that one dude when Rama leaves seven two six, 
and you can hear the dude screaming in his apartment and all you see is him being hung upside down. I'm like, what the fuck he was doing to him? I'm terrified because that dude had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, insane. So Rama and Boa go in the wall and the guy with the machete just stabs the wall quickly and just, oh my God. When he stabs through and he slices Rama's cheek and Rama oh. doesn't fucking move. The mental discipline. Oh, it's amazing. Dude, Lord, to not move, to not fucking scream, because he just had a machete. I don't, I know it's not like right through him, but it hit him. It and was in he, his cheek physically. Physically in his cheek. And then he takes the fucking mental fortitude to put his gloved hand on it. So when he pulls it out slowly, yeah, he stabs fast, but pulls out slowly, I should point out. To wipe the blood off and not make a sound as this thing is going back through his fucking cheek out the wall. <laughs> Fuck. It's as a brilliant scene. God damn. Uh, so after that, we get Mad Dog versus Jaka. Uh, pretty damn good fight. Uh, Mad Dog, as you know, his name suggests, is crazy. And delivers. On, I love that he, you know, puts the gun down takes off his jacket and is like, let's do this. You know, mano e mano, let's do this. All right, dude, his, that line. Guns, they really take the fun out of it. I don't like to use them. It's like fast this. food. Yeah, it's like fast food. But these, when he holds up his hand, this is the thrill. And I'm like, oh. And then even before that, when they pull, he pulls the knife on him and he pulls the gun and they're just in that, that shot of them, like weapons drawn at each other in the hallway is a beautiful shot. And he's just using his gun to tell him what to do. Like, put it down. Get in there. <laughs> oh, so good. And that fight's not double. You know, it's not one-sided. Jaka, he, he, he has some, he gets some good shots in. He gets some good shots in, but you can tell, like, God damn, Mad Dog is an animal. He is just taking these punches and still going. Yeah. And it ends with him breaking Jaka's neck. Just straight break and then he just gets up and walks away. And I want to point out, I'll point it out again later, but fucking stamina and these guys ability to take the amount of damage they do. Cause at one point Chaka, like when he gets, he's about to get kicked and Chaka grabs his leg, grabs near his nuts, not his nuts, but near it. Hip lifts him up and fucking rams him into a goddamn wall. And the dude just gets right back up. Adrenaline <laughs> and Coke crazy oh my jesus <laughs> fucking christ it doesn't even make me question the fact that everybody in this building knows how to fight <laughs> expertly everyone's really good at martial arts in this movie every single human being in the movie can fight like a master it's it's turtle totally fine okay sure i don't even care this movie's so good i don't even care <laughs> uh so we know that rama and andy are brothers at this point and through mad dogs uh interventions and uh tama's paranoia he finds out and gets we get that great scene where tama just stabs andy's hand to the table and is like you think you could fuck me like he just has like a scarface moment and it's fucking cool i lived before that there's no way you come up here with nothing and waste my time show me your hands yeah there's nothing turn around well, still nothing. So you still wasted my fucking time. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's so great. 
and Andy knows that he's fucked, so he just screams at him, fuck you, and just, you don't know what's going to happen. Mad Dog strings him up, and then when Rama goes to find him... <laughs> After another kick-ass fight scene in the meth lab, where the fuck lab that was. Yeah, that was crazy. They were, like, the bad guys were just wasting a lot of product. <laughs> <laughs> but no that was, that was good. Prepared. That was awesome. Uh, so many great fight scenes in this movie. Uh, pretty modest budget too for what they were able to accomplish. Like really well done. Yeah, even when they pulled off the S, it's the one thing I don't like about the movie when he, when Rama's fighting the machete guys and like flings them out the window with him. Yeah, and then like it looks kind of stupid because it's like you would have died, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not a good thing to do. Just throw him out. But, I mean, hey, they, they pulled it off somehow on that budget, so. Yeah, that's a great fight scene. Just him dodging all the machetes. Like, phew, so good. And just fucking these guys up. God, that, I, God, I could watch it literally again right now when we're done with this and not be bored. It's satisfying. It's really satisfying. Um, so the scene that I think might be my favorite is when Rama stumbles onto Andy tied up with Mad Dog there. And there's not a word exchanged. Mad Dog just drops Andy, lets Rama take him out of the chains, and they all fight. <laughs> Mad Dog is there for the fucking thrill. That's all he cares about. And Jesus, watching just that is such a great fight. So well choreographed. Everyone gets a moment. It's so good. I remember. I, so, the first deployment there in limits, right? I have a digital copy of this movie, and uh, we were thinking, trying to find someone to watch. I was like, "Hey, have you, has anyone here seen this? The raid?" They're like, "No." I was like, "Okay, so you guys are in for a treat." I put it on, right? And the di- the digital copy that I have is dubbed, which works when you're showing other people. I, I prefer sub when it's me, but I get when I'm watching other people, I'll do dub so no one complains. Um, but uh, we got to that scene, and you know, I had at the time there was only a couple of us watching like hooked, and we're doing that scene. As you know, that scene goes on a while, and I remember as it's going on, our hair back is like, holy fuck, this scene's still going, and I look and there's like ten more guys glued. <laughs> watching this scene <laughs> like that's how to me like that really spoke to how like fucking great this movie is that even these guys that were kind of halfway paying attention as soon as this scene came up glued like they were in watching even when he gets stabbed you hear him go what the fuck he's still fighting <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy to see this guy a glass bar six inches into his neck he's still kicking their asses <laughs> i mean holy hell Oh, it's beautiful. And then when he finally like pins him and just pulls that damn thing across his whole fucking neck, finally puts down the mad dog. I'm surprised mad dog didn't still get up to fight. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't like, you know, he didn't jump out the fucking window at the end of the movie and be like, you know, I'm just trying to get him one last time. (laughs) It's crazy. Yeah, no, that that fucking fight. And what I love with how they do that fight scene is, you know, all the fight scenes they never cut away from. This one starts, you see it for like two, three minutes, and they cut. It's a, a different scene real quick. But then they cut back. and But in this 
particular moment, to me, that's actually a really smart decision that works because you do get to kind of get a feel of the time lapse and like the stamina that these guys have to continue fucking fighting when you're with how long they're taking, you see the sweat on them, like, like bravo to the actors if they really like film this like entirely through because god i don't i'm out of shape i don't have that stamina to be doing what they're doing well i know that mad dog and rama were actually the fight choreographers for the film yeah they actually are masters in this uh discipline so i would not be surprised if they really did go the whole time (laughs) god never never try to piss those guys off they will destroy you (laughs) even yeah they can bring you know bare fist to a gunfight and fuck up the whole room <laughs> even if you think you have him down like i said you see it well they'll have scenes where he's on the ground and yeah the dude's taking his fucking free foot and hitting the dude in the head but very precise kicks <laughs> yeah you don't waste a moment you know it's, they're constantly looking for opportunities it's fantastic oh <laughs> um so we got the lieutenant subplot where he's going after him and Dagu or Dago Dagu. I don't know. The other guy. Uh, Dagu, I, I forget. I'm sorry. <laughs> are going after the of Tama. And when he finally gets him, Lieutenant kills D-Man. And we finally get confirmation on who this guy really is. He's a fucking piece of shit who his superiors also thought was a piece of shit and sent to die at Tama's hands. And I love how Tama just says that, like, your people didn't trust you. That's why you're here. Why I got the call. <laughs> I say, yeah, I love how Tama, he was in handcuffs with a gunpoint. Just, it's just like, I don't care. You can try to fucking have power over me. I am still more powerful than you. Like, you can kill me and you will still get more. You will get fucked more if you kill me. And he still kills him. <laughs> He still kills him. And then the piece of shit tries to kill himself and doesn't have any more bullets. It makes me laugh that Tama, like through all that monologuing, just without hesitation, Lieutenant just blows his brains out. I, that made me laugh. I didn't get just because I don't think Tama expected that. I think he expected his monologuing to get him out of this, but nope. No. <laughs> no, Tama still has to die. Yes, indeed. Some could argue the ending of this film is fairly anticlimactic. Uh, I get that, you know, Rama arrests Lieutenant, which bad move. I mean, all he's going to do is piss off the corrupt cops in charge. Uh, but now he's got Andy as head of this syndicate. And I love Andy's argument that he can protect Rama as a crime boss, but Rama cannot protect Andy as a cop. Yeah, and it makes sense too. Like, because at the end of the day, the cops are going to want to arrest Andy because he has a rap sheet basically. But Andy can pull things and make sure that Rama does not get touched. Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good message for the film. You know, kind of shit rolls downhill is really the message of this film. <laughs> Everyone's going to suffer because of the fucks in charge. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, further explored in the second movie. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So here are some film guys and facts. Number one, the martial art used in this film is pen, Pensak Salat, the indigenous fighting style of Indonesia. And I probably butchered that, but that's what it's called. 
I, like I said, I knew the name. I just, I, I, I never say it because I don't want to fuck it up. Well, I'm, I'm in pretty damn deep. So why, why not? Yeah, that's why I had you read the cast list. <laughs> Number two, I thought this was funny. All of the guns used in the film are airsoft replicas and not functioning firearms. All of the guns, actions, cycling, muzzle flashes, and casings ejecting were added digitally. That's kind of cool. That is cool. So what, they just painted the orange tips over? Yeah, or removed them and just aimed. (laughs) Everything else was added afterwards. All right. Yeah, kind of cool. Number three, Gareth Evans originally wanted an action drama set in a prison. When the approved budget was too small, he pared it down to a one-building action film that became The Raid. The success of this film allowed him to secure a larger budget for the sequel, where he got his wish of a prison drama. And with that, we can transition into the sequel, 2014's The Raid 2. It follows Rama as he goes undercover in the criminal underground of Jakarta to expose police corruption and bring down the city's crime syndicate. It received critical acclaim, but some fans argue that it was too slow compared to the first film. And I'm one of those. I, I didn't. I thought the raid was an awesome action thriller, and I thought the sequel lacked. For me, it was it was pretty. It was kind of boring. I, I really liked the raid too a lot. Um, but yes, I I do prefer the first one. Um, I think he gets caught up too much in expanding the story, and the plot. And and don't get me wrong, like I said, you know, at the end of this movie, he brings up characters like Reza and stuff get mentioned that do become pretty much the major plot point for Ray 2. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I can't deny that like the second movie has some pretty fucking awesome action scenes. Like the, when the action scenes do hit in the second movie, they are impressive. It's been a long time since I saw the Raid 2. It's been about seven years. But maybe it is, you know, it's time for me to give that one another shot. It, yeah, dude, the, uh, I mean, uh, Mad Dog, who plays a different character in the Raid 2, um, he has some. He has a really impressive nightclub fight scene that goes on. They, there's a whole car martial arts fight scene at the end. It takes place entirely in a car at Rama, and it, it's fucking awesome. Um, the whole end scene when he busts into the dude's place. So you got the character with the baseball bat that's fucking people up. Like it. There's a lot of really cool action scenes, but yes, it does unfortunately favor expanding the story and characters more, which I, I try not say, unfortunately, it's technically a good thing, but I want action. Yeah, we'll see, you know, I, maybe now I'll, I'll appreciate it a little bit more. So, you know, now I know what to expect. So I think it's worth it. I, I usually actually watch them back to back. I just haven't, I didn't have time to watch the second one. Because it like, it's yeah. like two and a half hours. So it's. Yeah. See, I have the first film. I have access to it via a voodoo code that you gave me once upon a time when you bought the movie. So that's how I was able to watch it. Ah, I don't I'll check to see if the second one has a voodoo code. I watched the unrated edition, which only adds an extra minute to the film. So I'm wondering, like, what did they cut? I I don't know. Because the thing is, like, it's really weird. Because when, you know, obviously with, like, American releases, we got the MPA that's notorious for loving to cut stuff. But in foreign movies, they're not really as picky. Like, usually what is cut is just what they told them to cut for an American release. But then when they do the Blu-ray or DVD, they're told, like, okay, you can do the unrated copy. We don't care. 
So I, I never know. It's usually something dumb. Like we need to cut just one little second of like blood spurt. Some, something fucking stupid like that. Like that's really going to affect my psych. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. The people watching these movies, like we want more blood, more gore. Like why, why are you cutting it? Who do you, who do you think you're going to hurt? If some kid's watching this, it's not, you know, it's not the movie's fault. Yeah, you're not. Look, when I saw the scene with the dude, like we talked talk about earlier, he grabs it and fucking impels him on the door. I wasn't like, ew, gross. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I have a noise I specifically make when things like that happen in film, and it's, ooh, every time. <laughs> I have only made that noise when I've seen something horrific happen to somebody else in a movie. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh Gareth Evans decided not to move forward with a third film. He has never really stated why. Uh, and an American remake has been talked about for 10 years now. Directors like Patrick Hughes and Joe Carnahan have been attached at one point, And so have actors like Chris Hemsworth, Liam Hemsworth, Taylor Kitsch, and Frank Grillo. Due to everyone dropping out to move on to other things, the film has never materialized beyond the development stage. And I hope it never does. I, we don't need an American remake of anything. I think, you know, it's, we can just enjoy things. Like, I know they've been talking about doing an American version of Train to Busan. Like, just let us enjoy shit from other countries. Like, why is that such a stigma? Yeah, I don't. And you would think with the whole, like, you know, we need to celebrate diver- diversity in Hollywood. Like, let's celebrate foreign films. Celebrate yeah. foreign films and get that out to people. And I don't get how this is still a thing when you have Parasite running Best Picture at the oscars and you know they're still trying to pull this shit so it's like no and the whole point of why i like the race it's a martial arts movie i'm sorry but america we're not exactly known for martial arts so like, we're not. no we had tread okay we had tread which was basically the same story but america <laughs> i'm okay with that like it yeah it's just annoying i mean it mostly happens to horror but it has happened to other genres and it's unnecessary. It waters down the product and never lives up ever. Not once. <laughs> so yeah. it's not worth it. Yeah. Like unless these guys are going to go get some training from these, the raid actors, I don't want to see them even attempt the martial arts moves. Like, I don't want to see it. Like, and look, I, I got one of the raid actors fighting, you know, County Reeves and John Wick three, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> This film works so well because I think its setting is very important. And, uh, you know, we need like a crime-filled area somewhere that's, you know, believable to be, you know, corrupt like this. And in America, yeah, there's a lot of that. But I don't know, there's something, I think it would feel too real here. I think we should, you know, that action films glorifying police corruption are not great in america right now considering all the crazy shit that's been going down with uh the cops and our continuous mistrust of them <laughs> so i think it's just not a good call now that well to me that and you know what's going to happen if it's attached to a big studio that isn't like blumhouse or a24 it's going to get watered down to pg-13 yeah yes it is they're going to be like yeah get maximum audience and it's like then why am i watching this Yep, Matt Damon's going to be in it, and it's going to be PG-13. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Yeah, they're going to get some actor in his 50s or something that they're like, he can do the martial art. And he was like, no, no. <laughs> it's like, going to be like that. 
It'd be like that scene in Taken Two or Three where like they Liam Neeson hops a fence and they like cut away like eighteen times because he couldn't do it. <laughs> so they tried to make it look like it's Liam Neeson hopping a fence. <laughs> yeah. Look, unless they tell me, hey, Jason Statham's doing this, I might be a little interested because he could probably pull it off. If they were gonna Americanize this, I want him playing the the, the drug lord. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think a crazy sadistic Statham would would make me want to see that I would be down for that he's been making some pretty awesome career choices with like Spy and looks like the upcoming Wrath of Man as far as like not doing the same old same old action yeah and kind of playing against his known persona has he has he ever played a bad guy no no, technically, I guess if you want to say Fast and Furious Seven before he became a good guy in the series, that's that's true. But yeah, that's kind of kind of doesn't count anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he was a bad guy. Mary popping up like a video game character. A weird thing is about that movie is they were looking for a device to track him down, but he was literally popping up everywhere they were the entire movie. How can we find him as he keeps popping up? I'm like. Just go somewhere, and apparently he will come. <laughs> Ridiculous! Oh, those movies are so crazy. I'm looking him up. I want to see. I'm look, I want to look at his IMDb and see if there's anything I'm missing. See if he played a villain at some point, because he seems like he would be such a great bad guy. But he just—I don't know. He just hasn't really done it. Can you imagine him going full Scarface on that scene, <laughs> dude? I—he that would be the only reason I'd see that. To see him lose his fucking shit and shoot people in a big line. I, I would love to see that. <laughs> All right. Looking at his filmography here. Um, do, 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 do. Okay, I don't think he's played a bad guy. I've seen a lot of Salem movies. Yeah. I'm No, I'm not seeing anything. No. Mm-hmm. Nope. He's never done it except for Furious 7. And that doesn't really count anymore. I got retcon. Yep, got retcon. Probably get retcon real hard in the ninth movie. Well, yeah, because they're like Han's alive now. Because they can't have you know this now good guy ex like British Secret Service agent have had you know they they can't have that blood on his hands anymore. So they're just gonna somehow. I don't know how they're gonna do that. It's gonna be. What I love is the tagline that pops up after he comes on in the trailer. Justice is coming. I'm like, how? He's clearly alive. What justice? He didn't die. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Who? Yeah. Just. Oh god. I, I like John Cena. He's charismatic. He's funny. He's cool. But Dom's secret brother. Really? Are we at that point like, now? <laughs> I feel like they did that because they lost uh, the Rock because of his beef going on with Vin Diesel. So they're like, who's another wrestler turned actor who's proven to be very charismatic and funny? And right now it's only John Cena because apparently Dave Batista, if it's not Guardians of the Galaxy, is not doing a good movie. <laughs> no offense to Dave Batista, I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, no, I mean he was Inspector. Yeah, but have you noticed if it's like Spectre or what was it? Uh God, Blade Runner 2049. They're really small roles and he doesn't say a lot. It's weird. That's true. Um, actually, you know, he might he might turn me around in Army of the Dead, but uh, yeah, it's like the 
it's like they looked at that and went, John Cena. We can we can get John Cena, and then that's just how that happened. I guarantee you, Vin Diesel's going to start a beef with John Cena because Vin Diesel, the one thing he does not like is being upstaged. But and- he keeps casting actors that are bigger than him because I can honestly probably argue that John Cena will be bigger than him because I I'm like you I actually really like John Cena and everything I've seen him in. <laughs> you meant you meant their careers are bigger than him, right? Yes. I thought you meant physically, and I'm, I agree oh, no, with you they're immediately. Both, they're both physically bigger than him. <laughs> I thought that's where you went. I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're huge. <laughs> I meant careers, but yeah, they are physically bigger than him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John Cena has had you know an interesting film career over the past few years. Um, I don't think Fast Nine is going to break the billions like the past few Furious movies have. And I think The Rock not being there is a big part of that. But then again, Hobbs and Shaw didn't break a billion either. So no, I think it's I think people are just tired. I think people are getting to a point where it's like, how can you keep this reasonably going? This is a franchise that should not still be going. It's, it is such a strange story. I will never understand the Fast and Furious franchise going from where it was to where it is now. It doesn't make any sense. It, reasonably, when it did become what it was, it should have ended with the seventh movie after Paul Walker passed away. It Vin Diesel, yeah, Vin Diesel got greedy. I was like, I'm going to make three more of these movies. Oh, my God. You think that every time that F9 trailer or the F8, F7, F6, F5 trailers popped up, Ja Rule just kicked himself? <laughs> every time, it's like, fuck! He could have had... <laughs> fucking money for days <laughs> oh i bet yeah i bet that is constantly hanging over his head probably i mean before dmx passed away he got lucky with deadpool <laughs> yes he did x gonna give it to you rest in peace Damn. i was shocked to hear that yeah that was a sad story uh I'm going to be slightly racial here just because I thought this was hilarious and I don't want to not share it. So DMX died, I think the same day as Prince Philip. And uh, somebody tweeted, I don't remember who it was, but I would give you credit if I remembered. Somebody tweeted the whitest man ever and the blackest man ever died today. (laughs) And I laughed for like five minutes straight after reading that. So thank you, anonymous tweeter, whoever that was. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, well, anyway, I give the raid an eight. It's a badass action movie, extremely well choreographed with an engaging story and well written characters. What more could you ask for? I, yeah, no, uh, I agree with you. I'm gonna give it a nine. I, I adore this movie. Yeah, simplistic story, amazing action, tight script. I, just give me a rate three, please. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't think you are. It is weird that, like, do you think it's, I think it's interesting that a Welsh director did an Indonesian action movie. Yeah, it, and it, the lead up to this movie is weird because he actually did a movie called Marintal, Marintal, with the, the guy who played Mad Dog and Rama. Mm-hmm. I guess they became. I guess through that they became friends, and he came up with the idea for this movie. Hmm. Well, you know, all power to him. I think it's cool. I like that he, you know, it's diverse. Bring it on. 
Yeah. Bring it on. More raid. Raid three. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, well, thanks for listening, everyone. This was a blast. Glad you were able to get the raid off your chest there. <laughs> yes. If you have not seen this movie, Filmgasm fans, seek it out. Yeah. It Watch. is available to rent on Vudu and Amazon Prime for $3. We all yes. have $3. So it's worth the hour and 40 minutes of your life. You will not regret this. The bitch in film it really is. Uh, and we have not done a lot of foreign films on this podcast. So I always like to you know travel around the world on this show. So yeah. glad we could go to I, Indonesia for a little bit. There's a lot of foreign films I've watched that I look forward to bringing to this podcast. Old boy, old boy. Yeah. I saw the devil, troll hunter, you know, stuff like that. We've already done looking back just off the top of my head, we did audition, Ichi the Killer, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And the beyond. I think that's all the foreign films we've done. Not counting my little bit on Suspiria, which I don't count. Right. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, there's like the whole Italian stuff we can do. One day. Oh. That's a, a thing in and of itself. It's Italian horror cinema right there. Oh, yeah. The big one I'd like to do uh, a foreign horror film that I've been like, tr- I've been wanting to watch for some time, but never really got around to it is The Devil's Backbone. Oh, I haven't actually seen that either. And I've been wanting to. It's uh, Del Toro. Oh, yeah. It's like I've heard it's like his masterpiece, like his scariest film. That is what I've heard. I remember I had a chance to watch it when I was a kid. And the subtitles came on. And because I was a kid, I ignorantly went, ew, no. And changed the channel. Now I'd be like, yeah, let's watch this. Thanks to Ongbok and this Jackie Chan movie I watched as a kid called City Hunter. I've never had an issue with subtitles. Oh, better man than me it took me a while i that movie was so weird city hunter it was so funny it made no sense it was like jackie chan is like a local pi who ends up on a cruise ship that gets taken over by terrorists and it was just so ridiculous it's a moment where he gets knocked out in an arcade and dreams an entire street fighter fight sequence where he's like chung lee and he's fighting like it's, it's weird you know what's a ridiculous one I've seen? Dead Snow. Nazi, Dead Snow. Oh, that's Nazi a fun zombies. Movie. That is a fun movie. I haven't seen the sequel yet. I need to. I heard it's even more ridiculous. Yeah, I haven't seen the sequel either. But that film, I went in with such low expectations and was just like blown away by how fun it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And actually, thinking about like on the t- topic of the raid. Uh, net, I don't know. Netflix has a bunch of it, but the uh, Eco uh, Ruiz, Reyes, the main actor, and a lot of the guys who worked on this movie have done other martial arts films since then. Um, there was one I called uh, We Come at Night or something like that. I would have to type it in. It was on Netflix. A super fucking badass movie. I'm going to look up the title. Give me a second. Sweet. Well, yeah, I, I love uh, foreign films. I love, you know, exploring films of different cultures. We've done it a lot on Oscar Sunday, and I love doing it here as well. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. Wait, you don't. You, wait. <laughs> the night comes for us. Dear God. The night comes for us. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they, I've, I've been, I watched a lot of stuff they've done since the raid, and Oh my God. They just keep bringing this action to our movies and it's amazing. 
kick ass. Yeah, I want to check out more. Well, this was fun. Thanks for listening. Uh, next week goes back to Josh Allred for a delightfully wacky creature feature from the insane mind of James Gunn. After a small town hick gets infected with an alien virus, he morphs into a sort of monster that produces millions of alien slugs that turn the town's residents into zombies and monsters. Don't miss the 2006 horror comedy Slither next week on the Filmgasm podcast. Also, don't miss The Incredibles on Oscar Sunday and our Best Actor, Best Actress Honorable Mention show on Monday's sneak preview. Be sure to tune in Friday for the Giggle Guys as well. Until then, don't shack up in a psycho crime lord's apartment building, no matter how rent-controlled it is, and keep watching movies. (laughs) 